Have you ever come across or read the works of David Emile Durkheim? He was a French academic active in the late 19th and early 20th centuries. He is best remembered for his contribution to the field of sociology. In fact, Durkheim wasn't just any old sociologist. He was the one who formally established sociology as an academic discipline. Modern social science would literally never have come into existence without him. Durkheim came from a long line of French rabbis. His father, Rav Moshe Durkheim, was a regional chief rabbi in Alsace, as was his father before him. But Emile Durkheim himself abandoned religion when he went to university, and although he still remained very close with his parents and maintained close bonds with the Jewish community for the rest of his life, he personally considered himself as an atheist. After teaching at various universities, Durkheim became a professor at the Sorbonne in Paris until his untimely death at the age of 59 in 1917. By all accounts, he was a mesmerizing lecturer, and in fact, he had such a powerful hold over his students that some people accused him of being manipulative and controlling. But truthfully, he was a gentle soul. Despite being a bit austere and intimidating at first, those who knew him discovered that he was kind, considerate, brilliant, a great conversationalist, and a fabulous debater. As a sociologist, and also coming from a devout Jewish family, Durkheim was absolutely fascinated by religion. As a result, he was the first person in history to examine religious faith and organize religion from a sociological perspective. And his insights remain as relevant today as they were when he first presented them well over a century ago. First and foremost, Durkheim said that religion gives life meaning and purpose. There are so many things in our lives that are difficult and even impossible to understand. And you might think that this fact was only true before the Age of Enlightenment. In other words, before science enabled us to understand everything about the world we live in. But the truth is, even nowadays, with everything that we know via scientific discoveries, so much about life and about death remains a mystery and it is a fact that religious faith and having God in your life helps so many people make sense of things that science cannot and can never help us with. The second aspect of religion that Durkheim highlighted was the fact that it reinforces social unity and stability. Firstly, religion gives its adherents a common set of beliefs which is a critical agent of socialization. Secondly, by practicing religion as a community, in churches and in synagogues, people are brought together. And this enables and encourages communication between people and also all kinds of other social interactions, which inevitably strengthens social bonds. A third function of religion, said Durkheim, is that it is an agent of social control, making sure that there is social order by mandating a code of moral behaviour and also that there is charity for those who are in need. Another function of religion, Durkheim said, is that it creates psychological and physical well-being for its adherents. God and believing in God and being part of a faith community is an incredible source of comfort to people in times of distress. Dozens of studies have shown that people of all ages are happier in their lives if they are religious, while non-religious people struggle and don't always cope as well as religious people do. For someone like me, a rabbi whose professional life revolves around religion and community, all of these 
beneficial aspects of faith-based lives and faith-based communities are totally self-evident. Emile Durkheim's articulations of these ideas and all the studies that have shown them to be true just reaffirm everything that I experience anecdotally on a daily basis. And yet it sometimes appears as if religion is in rapid re decline and that those who cling on to religion are often drawn to the more extreme elements of faith and faith belief. What are we to make of it all? The late Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, whose yard site we mark this week, was familiar with all the pro-religion arguments in existence and articulated them possibly better than anyone in our time. He was very familiar with the works of Durkheim and mentioned him and his ideas on many occasions, although he noted that Durkheim, as an atheist and as a socialist, had proposed that trade unions might one day replace organized religion for many of the positive aspects that faith-based communities have to offer. But, said Rabbi Sachs, Durkheim was wrong about this, and he noted that Emile Durkheim himself was among the first people to diagnose the dangers of an era of individualism and the breakdown of community. And, said Rabbi Sachs, there was no way trade unions could ever compensate for the power of a faith-based community. In an article written by Rabbi Sachs and published by the Daily Telegraph in 2017, Rabbi Sachs queried the decline of religion. He cited a survey that had just been published which said that 53% of people surveyed said they had no religion at all, compared to 47% who said they had. That was over half the population, a shocking number, and among 18 to 24 year olds the gap was much greater, with 72% saying that they were non-religious. All of this seemed to suggest that religious faith was collapsing, said Rabbi Sachs. But ever the optimist, Rabbi Sachs refused to be disheartened. This is the wrong conclusion to draw, he declared, and he explained why. The thing is, he said, there is a difference between faith in God and religious affiliation, just as there is a difference between spirituality and attendance at a formal act of religious worship. After all, he noted, traditional services lack the pace and pulse of social media. As he put it, you can't cram a religious ritual into the three or four minutes of an internet video or a Bible reading into a smartphone text. But, said Rabbi Sachs, that does not mean that a faith community has nothing whatsoever to offer. On the contrary, there are young people who are coming to synagogues to find community and to find a home for their ideals and some respite from the relentless pressure of being online. He was right then, and it continues to be the same story now. I am familiar with it from my own experience. Younger people want God, but they don't necessarily want it in the way it has been provided by the religious establishment for so long. They don't want formal services and they don't react well to expectations and to guilt. They want love. They want warmth. They want dynamism. They want something fresh and real 
not something stale and passé. These things simply don't work any longer. Adapt or die, the adage goes, just as the sages of the Talmud cleverly recalibrated Judaism after the destruction of the Jerusalem temple, we must take the furniture of Judaism and rearrange it in such a way that all the benefits of faith that Durkheim identified remain there for the next generation and beyond. Let me quote Rabbi Sachs from that 2017 article. The young people I meet in my travels are as interested in the quest for meaning and transcendence as any previous generation, but they tend to look in different places and for new ways. They find meaning and transcendence in meditation, in mindfulness and in music. And the fact that they don't define themselves as religious does not mean that they are atheists. A previous survey has shown that a significant number are not. And in any event, atheists themselves do not rule out beliefs and experiences that most people would call religious. Rabbi Sachs notes that Einstein, who many considered an atheist, was intensely proud of Jewish ethics and he said that the most beautiful and most profound experience is the sensation of the mystical. Rabbi Sachs added that Isaiah Berlin, whom people thought of as a secular Jew, had asked him to officiate at his funeral when he died. And on his deathbed, the Jewish American philosopher, Sidney Morgenbesser, is reputed to have said, I don't understand why God is so angry with me just because I don't believe in him. If there is one thing that Rabbi Sachs taught us, it is that even the most sublime mind, such as the one that he possessed, and even a person born and bred into a religious community that is very stiff and cordial, such as he was, can embrace the present and adapt to the realities of an ever-changing world to open up the beauty of faith for a new generation and for future generations. Rabbi Sachs did all that and more. By forging the path and paving the way, he enabled others, like me and many of my colleagues, to use the written word and multiple media outlets as the method by which to build faith communities outside the synagogue and to create dynamism and vitality for those who want God in their lives. So that all the many benefits proposed by Durkheim will continue to thrive for all the faithful of the world. May, may Rabbi Sachs' memory be a blessing and may we continue to cherish his innovative contribution to the Jewish faith in particular and to faith in general now and for all time. Thank you.